The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You are listening to another episode of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Hello, everybody. I am Anthony Cazenza, joined as usual by John Sheeran. We, you know, we we take the air with heavy hearts, anger, frustration, sadness, a myriad of emotions, I think, that are hard to express in some ways and very easy to express in some others. Um, We have a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about what's kind of going on in the world. We're going to talk about uh, what's going on in the United States right now. It may make some people uncomfortable, but I think that that's okay. uh, Given what's going on, I think being uncomfortable in some ways is okay because a lot of what we're seeing, a lot of what we're hearing is more than uncomfortable. It's it's frustrating. It's sad. Um, and, you know, we, we couldn't really do a show without at least addressing some of our feelings and some of our uh, perceptions of, of things going on. And um, we're not going to take the whole show to talk about it, but we will take a portion of the show to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about what Bengals players are doing in light of this uh, social injustice and and everything going on in the world. We're going to talk a little bit about the team, and we're going to talk about the 9 for 9 positional series. We're going to kind of transition out of that. John has been doing a great job with the 9 for 9 positional series, and he's going to uh, we're going to continue that with some running backs talk, and we have an announcement at the end of the show. But as I said, John, uh, bringing you in, good to have you in, buddy. Um, you know, this is one of the things that, uh, and you can kind of probably hear my voice shaking a little bit because I've, I've already got uh, quite a bit of emotion here. You and I, you know, everybody looks at this thing, um, you know, in a way. And uh, I, I think that uh, we're all we're all frustrated. We're all saddened and uh we we all want uh some change in in a lot of different ways i know you've probably got a lot to say i've got you know some some things uh on my mind too but I, i'm gonna let you have the floor a little bit john um 
you know, I, I know you've been pretty vocal on, on some of your platforms on some things. So, um, I, you know, I, I, if you've got some, some thoughts, I'd love to hear it. I know our, our listeners would love to hear it. And, um, you know, there's, there's bound to be some, some feelings, but, uh, if, if you, if you want to take the floor, my friend, it's all, it's all you. I'm glad that it makes you uncomfortable. I'm glad that it makes any of our listeners who are uncomfortable, uncomfortable, because at the end of the day, it's so goddamn simple. And that's why it's embarrassing to hear the words America and great in the same phrase. How does a country that so often boasts itself for being better than everybody else not take the appropriate matters and snuffing out systematic racism at all costs? I, it's fundamentally an issue of simply listening. And it should be the easiest step to take for people who look like me, but apparently it's not because this stuff transcends more than just four years ago when Colin Kaepernick originally sat down on the bench and while the national anthem was, was playing and then was given the advice of a Green Beret and Nate Boyer to kneel during the national anthem to protest police brutality and the unjust killings and murderings of African-Americans by the American police force. That's, that's all it was. That's what they explained that it was numerous times, specifically in the first few months of said protest. The message of that has not changed. It still hasn't changed after four years since then, after countless more unjust murders of African-Americans by the American police force. Yet, people such as Drew Brees today and so many other people who claim themselves to be American continue to ignore that simple message. And that's why the last week and a half, the last week of May and now the early part of June of 2020, has unfolded in the way that it has. And the entire country bleeding, burning, and wondering how the hell did we get here? Riots, lootings, massive cries of help. They are the voices of those who have yet to be heard, who have still are being unheard. And that's on us. It's on everybody. It's on the people who continue to willingly remain ignorant on very simple issues, on very simple requests, on very simple messages being spread by those who continue to be pressed by fellow American people. Racism is bad. Systematic racism needs to be stopped. The police force needs extreme reform at the very least. Maybe abolishment might be good. And the hypocrisy displayed by those who are in power and the kind that has remained in power for hundreds of years in this country is unquestionably laughably laughable. A couple of weeks ago, we saw protesters, mainly of the white demographic, take charge on government buildings in states that were being locked down by COVID-19, getting in the face of law enforcement who were trying to keep the peace, I guess, in those establishments and getting really violent, really loud, really angry at said lockdowns because they couldn't get haircuts. Nobody was injured. Nobody was was harmed. There, there wasn't any unjust 
police actions in those protests. Three weeks later, George Floyd was murdered by a cop who pinned his neck down onto the pavement for nine minutes. Three others watched, and it was just the latest of events such as these. And then peaceful protests broke out throughout the country. And next thing you know, the entire American police force and National Guard is militarized in attempts to snuff out these very simple messages. It is the most damning example of white privilege that I think I've ever witnessed as a 23-year-old white American. White privilege is something that I've had the fortunate you know, happening of, of having, even if in some instances where I don't realize that I have it. But white privilege is when you're afforded the chance to learn about racism instead of experiencing it in the most unfortunate circumstances. White privilege is for 400 years, people who don't look like the people who colonized this land have been playing behind from behind simply from the fact that they don't look like the people who colonized this land in the first place. Over 100 years of things being unequal in the form of slavery, about 100 years of things being inequitable in the form of segregation, and throughout all that time and to this day, things being unjust. Our issues will not be solved for good until justice is established. We're not going to get it from leadership that continues to incite suppressing outcries for justice. We're not going to get that now, and we're not going to get it until these protests and these outcries for help are heard on willingly listenful ears. And that, I think, is the most frustrating part because maybe maybe we're seeing progress now, but that only happens if even after all this blows over, we maintain this energy and we maintain this fight and the strive for things being just in America, things where a country where it should be just, where everything that we stand for, it, it should apply for everybody, not just for people who have remained in power for over hundreds of years. This is a football podcast, and we get the pleasure of talking about football because in this country, football is something that we're it, – it's a luxury that we have, but it's a luxury that we shouldn't be able to afford if we can't even figure out the simplest of basic human right fundamentals. If we are still tackling issues like this, even with a pandemic going on, we're in a lot worse shape than what we originally thought. It saddens me greatly to see, obviously, what we've seen from the egregious murder, George Floyd, to the violence that has ensued since. Um, unfortunately, this is, and I think you touched on pieces of this, John, what we're kind of seeing now has been a, a powder keg that has been waiting to be lit. And it's a powder keg that is from previous filmed police brutality murders. It is from the peace, you know, the, the peaceful protests we've seen from prominent athletes and whatnot that either were quelled, ignored. And then you mentioned the COVID crisis where unfortunately, a lot of people are out of work, they're angry, they're depressed, and financial hard times have hit them, and they're angry. And when they see what they saw, that anger spills over and people uh, have had enough. 
I, I will say this. There are a couple of uh, people that, um, another couple of unfortunate, and, and there's been a few, another couple of African-Americans who have lost their lives during these protests that have now become riotous. Uh, David Dorn, and and uh, you know he's he's a uh, former police officer himself, was shot and killed in St. Louis. African American man who served his community, you know I, I think George Floyd being the catalyst, and and you know I, I do think as someone like David Dorn does deserve some recognition, and and that is an an unjust murder, as well. Um, the, there was uh, a former Indiana football, University of Indiana football player, Chris Beatty. He was also shot and killed in some riotous activity. That's, I, I, I just, it, it uh, the, the riotous activity, I understand it because of the anger and the frustration and all of that. But it, that saddens me, not only because of the violence, but, um, you know, community unrest, further uncertainty that goes with that. Uh, that that saddens me as well as the egregious death of George Floyd. So, I, you know, I come at it, John, with some frustrations of my own aside from the racism aspect. Obviously, I am vehemently against all forms of racism. I come at it also, many of you have, have heard me talk about my sister on this program and how many, many of you may know that she passed away. What you may not know is how she passed away. I've kept it private because my family likes to keep it private. My, my sister was murdered and was a victim of a murder. So when I, I guess there there are things about my life where I say, yeah, you know, I I, I don't understand certain plights that because of my background, but I do understand the plight of losing someone very dear to me from murder. And unfortunately, where I'm going with that is my family has experienced the frustration of the justice system and other failings within the U.S. there. Uh, so when, when we talk about social reform, when we talk about getting rid of some of these injustices, um, you know, that's something for me that specifically kind of comes to mind. And there have been wrongful arrests. There have been obviously the George Floyd killing, all of these things. We, My sister was killed almost three years ago, and the idiot who did it has still yet to even see a trial. That is how broken a lot of our systems are. And... So I'm going off on a tangent, I guess, a little bit here, but I do have some experience in a, a violent crime, unfortunately, and that is where I can understand quite a bit of, at least from my background, my personal background, firsthand experience, some of the stuff that's going on. I don't like sharing that part of my life and what happened to my sister. I thank my co my co-host, John, because he has donated to a cause that we set up, set up, set up, set up. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess where I'm going with it, John, is I'm just sick of people being terrible to each other, whether it's on social media, whether it's in these videos that we get fed that show police violence, 
violence of uh, the violence caused by these by these riots, etc. I'm just I'm just sick of it. And uh, this year has sucked. Six months in, five months in, this year has absolutely sucked. Uh, and you know, I, I guess my 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 thing is, yeah, keep if if you want certain changes made, keep pushing for them. I would implore that further violence and being terrible to each other, whether it's through social media, whether it's through other forms, whether it's in-person interactions, I would implore that maybe you think twice about that because there's enough of that going on. And, uh, you know, I think, I I hope we can all agree on that front that, you know, I'm sick of the the videos of, to, to be to be honest, I'm sick of of the videos of people that are videoing things going on and not getting in the in people's way to to do and say the right thing. They're videoing people fighting. They're videoing people, and instead of trying to quell a situation, and it's not just this these past this past week or so. This is something that's prevalent upon social media. There are accounts where it shows kid. You know, they literally post videos of kids fighting in school, and it's it's. It's getting to the point where, you know, it, it's very destructive and especially when many people are at home with because of job situations, et cetera, they see a lot of that and there's anger and it just breeds a lot of contempt and anger and be a voice for what you want done. Um, I would just implore that the violence and destruction while I, I guess on some level is understandable because of the anger that stems from some of these situations, I would just implore that that's that we just knock that off. Um, it's just you know there's enough hate, there's enough people going back and forth on social platforms and all kinds of stuff that um, focus in on what you were talking about, John. The the changes that we that I think a lot of people want to see made and need to be made in a lot of different areas in this country. There's something to be said about a perspective like yours, where you have experienced injustice and somebody who's really close to you, obviously that was the victim of it. And that perspective is something that a lot of other people share in the, in this country who, um, who don't look like us and, they experience it at a, at a higher frequency than for people who do look like us. And for people who don't have that experience, like myself, fortunately, the most important thing that we can do is just listen. It's listen, empathize, and understand. None of these riots and these lootings and and all and this bloodshed that's happening is something that people want to do. It's not, it's not an act that they wake up wanting to do, you know, for, that's not how they want to spend their day. They would be people in those situations would love nothing more than to experience the, 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 the lives that people who don't look like them experience on a daily basis. And we're not going to get to a point where that's going to happen. until we all understand and empathize where they are coming from because we don't have their experiences. And I understand that I'm not, the predominant voice in this matter as someone who has never shared those experiences, but for somebody who's trying to understand is trying to listen for the first time in their lives, because this is finally gaining the traction that it's so 
gosh darnly deserves. Like th- this is how you do it. You you listen, you empathize, and you understand what people are going through, and only then can any sort of progress be made w- w- with all of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, well said. And uh, you know, I, I think that uh, there there's a lot more to unfold with what's what's been going on over the past you know seven eight days. Um, I, I'm hoping that there, what does unfold is maybe, you know, more of the peaceful protests and maybe some of the reform is quickly going to be, uh, undertaken by those in positions of leadership and, and, uh, in other, in other areas. Um, but it's obviously been a very, very tumultuous year in many levels in 2020 and we we as this little podcast our two co-hosts the people who view it listen to it we, we have to be people that try and make things better um and uh you know that that's that's kind of the bottom line and uh some of the 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 vitriol and the the hate um uh, it, it's 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 kind of all part of the you know like I talked about the powder the powder keg thing and um, you know I, I again I'm I'm just kind of a little at a loss for words my mind's been going in a lot of different directions both on this specific topic topic and others that have been happening to me in my life and uh, and to the those all around us. Um, so I, I apologize if I'm not being as eloquent as I should be, but um, we had to talk about this. It's it's impossible not to, and um, you know it is the right thing to do to to talk about it and talk about some of our feelings we have on it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The one thing I want to say, John, to transition a little bit in terms of the Bengals scope of things, you know, uh, I I saw that the organization uh, a little bit and I've been kind of uh, a little bit hit and miss on on social media really over the past, you know, couple of weeks. Um, one thing I saw, at least in, in recent light of this uh, event, is the Bengals maybe catching some heat for not 
maybe making a public statement on in this regard. I, I will say this to defend them a little bit. Uh, this is an organization that was founded by Paul Brown, who was one of the innovators in the NFL to bring in uh, African-American football players to the NFL. Um, you know, Mike Brown has shown a penchant to, to um, help certain football players and, you know, all kinds of different stuff. So, I, you know, the, they've kind of been a little bit on the cutting edge. Granted, it's been a little while. I don't know where you stand in terms of them maybe not making a state, a public statement. Maybe they have really since this afternoon or this evening, but uh, I, you know, I, uh, I think I, I, I give them a little bit of a benefit of a doubt in terms of not making a, a public statement because of some of their track records in, in this regard. But uh, I don't know where you, where you kind of stand on that. Cincinnati Bengals Twitter account has not tweeted in the past three days. Um, I believe Steven Ruiz of the Touchdown Wire at the USA Today's uh, Football Network wrote an article and basically diagrammed every team's statement regarding everything that's happened. And only the Chicago Bears have come remotely close to even mentioning the aspect of police brutality. In my mind, if the Bengals say something, it's going to be something that's very similar to what every other team, aside from the Bears, has said. And aside from Ben and Jerry's, where they essentially put police brutality and white supremacy on blast, which is honestly what someone of this magnitude of influence should be doing. So for me, if the Bengals make a statement, fine. But I know it's not going to mean anything. It's not going to have any weight because ultimately it's the reason why there are people who listening to this podcast don't want us to talk about this is because we're a, we're a football podcast. They're a sports team. We're not supposed to have opinions on this matter. We're not supposed to express our opinions to people who don't want to hear them, who want to escape from the world that is boasting their those opinions back at them. This is supposed to be an escape for them, but it's but it's not because we're not robots. We're not drones. We don't, we're, we don't only talk about football. We don't only think about football throughout our days. We have other th- external factors that affect us. And ultimately, I think that goes for the Bengals too. Maybe they would like to make a statement, but maybe they feel like they'll offend people if they do and in a way that's cowardice. But also it's it's just the standard for what organizations do in times like these. It's easy just to say that we stand against racism, we stand against police brutality, we stand against all these other things that logically every human being should be against, every ethically and morally upright standing citizen should be against. But it's another thing where your your actions have to, to match your words. Like the Jaguars released a statement and Shad Ka, the owner of the Jaguars, donated a million dollars to Trump's inauguration and, and you know has association w- with entities that support the inciting of of, the, of this division that we're experiencing right now. Um, the Bengals, I, if I distinctly remember, brought in Eric Reed for a visit and then ultimately didn't sign him for, for re- reasons that had nothing to do with the fact that he was a decent football player. Um, I, <laughs> like the 49ers put out their Blackout Tuesday one, but they got roasted alive because they blackballed Kaepernick, the guy who was on their team. So... It, it doesn't matter that much to me because I know whatever they'll say won't have as much weight as it should. And if they did, it would surprise me, but ultimately it's just not what I'm expecting from them. Uh, yeah. You know, um, 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it it is a little interesting that they've remained quiet. Um, I've I've tried, like I said, to give them a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, given some of the um, other instances. It, it was a good reminder. You brought up the Eric Reed situation. That was something that didn't readily cross my mind. Um, but uh, you know that is that is a good point. Um, so you know, I, I, unfortunately, this is you know it, it may be a little too little too late on their end and easy to criticize, I guess. But, um, you know, on the plus side, John, a lot of the, a lot of the Bengals players mm-hmm. are doing a lot of and saying a lot of good things, uh, in light of this situation. And we want to highlight that, uh, you know, name one is the new, uh, the newest quarterback, uh, J- Joe Burrow, he posted a, a, a tweet that kind of got a, quite a lot of uh, clout, and rightfully so, based on what he said in it. And I will put this up here in uh, in just a second. But uh, basically, what he what he wrote on May 29th was: "The black community needs our help. They have been unheard far too long. Open your ears, listen, and speak." This isn't politics. This is human rights. Um, and, you know, very well said here. I'll, I'll share that here in case anyone has not seen that. I think uh, at this point they have, by the way, you're, what you're going to see here, if you're watching us live, our good friend Ace Boogie, who's part of the Orange is the New Black podcast uh, on our channels. You see uh, he's got a, he's got a Terrell Owens. That's my quarterback uh, GIF going in the comments below it. But um, good stuff there from Joe Burrow. And then, of course, you have Auden Tate in his hometown of Tampa Bay, cleaning up the neighborhood there uh, after the riots and, and, you know, certain unrest has hit that community. So kudos to him. Khalid Kareem came out with a very, um, just a a great statement. I'll try and find that to post as well. Uh, You know, I I guess where I'm, why I'm bringing this up, these are the young players on this team, John. These are, you know, Auden Tate's entering his third year. These two other guys are rookies and you're seeing, yes, you're seeing examples of leadership and quality individuals, but you're seeing it from the young players on this team. That's the most important part because these guys are my age and they've experienced all the injustices that I've experienced and that people of our generation have experienced, at least in the past five or so years, when it really hits, I think, who you are as a person, your character, the hardest because, you know, we were still developing it as people during these times where things started getting more and more out of control up to the boiling point that it's at right now. But these guys were touted as leaders in college that six of their seven draft picture team captains, all the guys who have made statements or have, have inputted their, you know, commentary on Twitter. They were team captains. Even T Higgins um, uh, did his part as well. All those guys were touted as leaders, but leadership in itself is not being a centrist. It's not saying that all sides have weight. It's not taking, you know, it's it's not having this this cowardly nuanced type of worldview on issues where there is a clear right and there's a clear wrong. Leadership is having the courage to recognize what is right, what is wrong, and sticking your neck out there and having other people follow you and listen to you because of your conviction to tell the hard truth that needs to be told. And if the Bengals have a, a core, a base a young foundation of guys who do get it and have a coaching staff who supports their willingness to be the leaders that they want to be, 
then going forward, this team will be a lot closer and a lot stronger than I think a lot of us ended up realizing. And it all starts from the top, obviously. Joe Burrow was the first person on the Bengals, at least in this draft class, to do something like this. And at the end of the day, it, 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 that that is who he is. That's that is who he's always been. You know, he's never been shy away from from issues like this. It, it, that's that's the person. That's the character that he is. And what he said in itself is not too groundbreaking. He said it is in politics, even though it is politics. What he meant to say was wasn't an issue of partisan, which it is, um, or it isn't in, in itself. It is an issue of politics at the end of the day because it is human rights. But that is who Joe Burrow is. That is who Logan Wilson is. That is who Khalid Kareem is. And if these guys realize that and realize what actually being a leader is, that bodes both the Bengals, whether you disagree with them or not. I have up the quote from Khalid Kareem that he put on his Twitter. It's a longer one. Um, You know, I I like what he said uh, towards the end here, and he uh, emphatically used single sentences uh, or, or kind of spaced out sentences. Don't use this as a chance to better your brand. Use this as an opportunity to create change in this world. Protesting isn't the only way to be involved. You can donate to different causes that are put in place to create change. Be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, very, I mean, obviously there's a lot more there, but um, very, very well said by him as well. And, um, you know, it, it this, this has been something that the Bengals have preached in terms this coaching staff has preached in terms of bringing in certain people, bringing in uh, players of a certain caliber and a certain background, cap team captains, right, John? Um, guys who, you know, coaches kids and all, you know, all kinds of stuff that specifically play to a locker room culture. And I think that that, you know, at the time, some people were saying, you know, why not this player? Why not that player? But, you know, there are, when you evaluate players and you bring players on your team, I can speak a little bit from a coaching perspective. I, I coached, uh, you know, baseball for a little while. And, you know, you sometimes you keep a, or you bring in someone who may be perceived as maybe a little lesser talented, but you know that they are someone that is good for your locker room. They're someone that is um, you know, they just fit what you want. And, and yes, of course they're talented enough and you can use them, but I think you understand what I'm saying in terms of building a culture and building the type of team that you want based on some of these character profiles. And at, at the end of the day, like we, we applaud players who speak on issues like this, but it's not any, it's not any different from just basic human logic and decency that everybody else who has good morals and ethics have displayed in, in history and whether they're famous leaders or just average American citizens, people don't want athletes to have voices on some of these issues, primarily because they're afraid that they're, that their stances are going to be different from those who like to watch them smash into each other 60 times a game. But they're people like you and me and they deserve the voice and they deserve the opportunity to utilize their platform to do the most good. And if this is how the Bengals are going to move forward, I could not be prouder to cover them and associate myself with them. So some of the Bengals obviously speaking up and uh, making some uh, interesting statements in in light of everything. And, uh, you know, we wanted to highlight some of the, you know, some of the things that that they're doing and saying I was I was particularly uh, I was particularly impressed with Auden Tate and his just, hey, I'm going to go clean up. I'm going to go clean up my city. 
Um, I thought that was that was very good, a very good gesture on his part. And, um, you know, he also went on a, a prominent, another prominent sports program to talk about that, talk about, you know, his experience uh, working with Joe Burrow and, and the team and the direction uh, heading there. So, uh, and he was very positive about all of that, which was good, obviously, for a team, from a team perspective. But, uh, you know, it, it's good to see these guys, um, you know, doing some things that uh, in a, in a time where there's not a lot of positive things going on, um, you know, you can kind of look at some of these things and uh, say, Hey, you know, that's, that's, that's well done. That's, that's well done. Uh, Before we get to our nine for nine, we usually save this a little bit for the end, but you know, we want (laughs) to, it's been a heavy first uh, two thirds of the episode here. Um, you know, obviously getting uh, some interesting comments in our in our chats, but that's fine. We kind of expected that, and I'm sure more will come. I, I look forward to the emails we'll be receiving over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but we have some good news and a, uh, a little bit of a programming note. Next week, we'll be starting an hour early on our broadcast. Next Wednesday, we will be starting at 7.30 Eastern because... John and I will have the distinct pleasure of being being joined by Ken Anderson, Bengals quarterback, should be Hall of Fame Bengals quarterback, uh, former former MVP, and we're excited to have him. You know, he's been kind of he kind of John he he kind of popped up out of nowhere on Twitter and got this kind of big following, rightfully so. And he's just kind of been that you know I, I he's kind of been a guy in quarantine who's been doing like his little happy hour sessions, I think, and. Um, I think maybe you you got to speak with him this week with uh, Hoji and Dario. No, you did not. I I unfortunately was not able to do that, but uh, Dario and Hoji conducted an interview with Grace. And if you want to check it out, it's on their YouTube channel, DNH Sports, and it should be uploaded to this podcast uh, channel of audio files pretty shortly. So, the uh, yes, and obviously uh, we're not going to overlap. Uh, two very different shows, obviously, between their show mm-hmm. and our show. But um, we're we're not going to overlap. But we are going to have if you if you do happen to listen to both episodes or Beth, both shows, that's awesome. Um, if you listen to one or the other, that's awesome too. Uh, just listen to somebody. Just listen to one of us. Uh, but Ken Anderson will be joining us, and we are excited to kind of catch up with him, see what he's doing, and obviously hear about the the Ken Anderson Alliance. Uh, his his foundation, um, and uh, as we've mentioned throughout the past couple of months, a lot of nonprofits are in need of support given the fact that they haven't been able to do in-person fundraisers and all kinds of things. So anxious to catch up with him, get his perspective for his first time on the program. We're excited about that and obviously to hear the um, yeah, hear what he's doing with his with his foundation so that will be next wednesday we'll be starting an hour early at 7 30 p.m because we want to accommodate ken's schedule and we're excited to have him this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in shopify's there to help you grow Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I guess we can go to the easy portion of the show and just talk about meaningless, stupid football. Um, we're going to talk about running backs tonight as I think the fifth edition of our five for five series. or Wow. Nine for nine series where we overview the Bengals 84 man active roster currently one that is all but hundred percent numbered. I believe DJ reader is the lone player who does not have an official number attached to him, but all seven running backs on the roster do. And we're going to talk about basically all seven of them because odds are most of them, probably four will make the active roster, make the final 53 man roster. Maybe one of them gets stashed on the practice squad in itself, but I suppose the conversation starts with the guy up front and Joe Mixon. Two straight years of 1,000 yards rushing. Two straight years of seasons that were basically tales of two seasons where he just basically caught fire towards the end of both seasons as the blocking in front of him progressed or changed or altered. Regardless, Joe Mixon's entering his fourth year. He's entering a contract year, a year where he's probably going to get a multi-year extension before the start of his fourth year before he even gets the chance to enter free agency. We can talk. I mean, we have talked about the, the, the logistics of a decision like that in itself, but I think we can assume that that's going to happen. And we can also assume that it's going to be business as usual for him and the rest of the, of the running backs where it's, it's him leading the way with touches, carries, snaps. They have to justify that contract that they're, that they're going to give him in some capacity and the best way is, is to feature him as a number one running back. And again, whether that's smart or not, that's it, it's a debate in itself. But Anthony, with Giovanni Bernard still on the roster behind Joe Mixon, and with the hopeful return of Rodney Anderson and Travion Williams, how much more do you think of a rotation is this backfield going to be? And by rotation, I specifically mean the, the more distinct differentiation of roles with some of these guys, whereas it may not, it probably shouldn't be and won't be Joe Mixon taking 20 carries a game when the team is fully healthy and doing good. Well, uh, so I'm pulling up some, some stats for people to look at here. The interesting thing to note with Joe Mixon um, is the touches um, you know, I mean, there there was a time not too long ago where, you know, running backs in terms of rushing attempts would get well into the 300s for a season. Mixon came close to that last year, um, played played in 15, uh, played in all 16 games. Um, so that's, that's largely the reason why there was a jump in overall touches as well as just, um, you know, he, they kind of fed him the ball at the end of his rookie year. So, um, you know, it, it, when, when people kind of talk, that's the one thing I kind of look at a little bit and say, when, when we're talking about the contract extension, a po- possible contact contract extension, 
that there is a little bit of, well, you know, or it's not, this isn't a guy for three straight seasons has had, you know, 300 plus carries and, uh, you know, a, a lot of different touches in the in the receiving game. He's up there, especially last year. Um, so that kind of, for me, plays a little bit into what uh, the the pro mix-in contract extension type of situation. To your other question, I'm very intrigued as to what the roles for Travion Williams and Rodney Anderson will be this year. Um, I think if Rodney Anderson is healthy, if you see, uh, it, it, I mean, w- what we saw in preseason, he can play. He can play. And if he's healthy, when he's healthy, he can play. He can do a lot of things. He is another multidimensional back, and he fits the system they want to run uh, in the running game. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very interested in, in that. And I think also uh, we didn't mention him and, and it's going to be interesting to see how his role plays out. Samaj P. Ryan uh, was, was also brought back. I don't know that he's going to be a roster make based on Williams and Anderson and all these other guys, but I guess, you know, when the Bengals brought him back, John, he was supposedly a very tough cut for this team. Uh, one of the last guys that they, you know, did not want to get rid of. So very deep group, arguably the deepest on the, on the team, I think I think we know what to expect out of Mixon, and I think we'll only see better once the offensive line shores up. Pirine is an interesting case in the fact that he's an un, uninteresting player. And you're right, though, because the Bengals were on record for saying that they loved having him in the locker room and they wanted to keep him for as long as possible. And when they finally did wave him, they they didn't like doing that. And I think they meant that with some resemblance of earnest and honesty. At the end of the day, I think you can make the argument he's the seventh most talented running back on this roster right now. And I'm looking at the biggest wild card here, and it's Jacquez Patrick, who mm. played in the XFL and went to uh, school at Florida State. He's technically just a first-year player because he was a rookie who didn't end up doing anything in the, in the NFL. He didn't end up going to the NFL. He went to the XFL first. And he signed a three-year contract with the team, albeit you know no guaranteed money, minimal salary in in, in, in itself. But Jacquez Patrick, I think, has the chance to to bump. No, not, not necessarily make the roster unless they were, were were to go five. But he is an interesting talent, and I think basically makes P Ryan just forgettable in every sense of the word when you're talking about the rest of this position group. Devil Devil Whaley, the running back from Arkansas, probably has more interesting has more of an interesting skill set to look for other than P Ryan. But Patrick, how he does the preseason, I think he's going to be interesting because he's going to get a lot of reps behind the top four. And the rest of the top four being healthy is the is the biggest is the biggest test of of the Bengals and, and how they handled the mixing situation. Whereas last year, you know, this position got decimated by injuries. It's the only reason why Samaje Pirin P Ryan was on the roster last year because Rodney Anderson re tore his ACL. Travion Williams was, was wasn't healthy. Joe Mixon suffered injuries the, the like the, the first week week or two in the regular season. Uh, they they just had barely any bodies. But the reason that they weren't successful early on the season wasn't because they didn't have any running backs. That was far from the from the only and most important reason. But I right. think they were so stricken by that lack of uh, uh, just unfortunate string of injuries that they loaded the, the position group now with talent there, and they're prioritizing keeping Mixon in the fold because he's been the one guy aside from Bernard who has maintained his health and maintained his effectiveness. But I think 
if Anderson and Williams stay healthy throughout the preseason, they make the roster, they show that they're talented. If they already paid Mixon at that point, and they can't just deny themselves from utilizing the talents of Anderson and Williams, they're going to put themselves in a bind and make themselves look like hypocrites saying, why do we pay Mixon all this money when we have multiple guys behind him who can produce very similar and give you comparable and marginal effectiveness at that position? If they stay healthy, it's going to look, it can potentially make them look really, really bad, really stupid based on what they do with Mixon in the offseason. Do you feel that because this this there was a question in the live chat that prompted this i think it was from frank randolph in the facebook chat if they use mixon like it's not a question it was more of a statement i guess but if they use joe mixon like mccaffrey his numbers would be similar do you feel i mean i guess do you feel that that's accurate um i feel like it could be somewhat accurate i don't think i think mccaffrey is obviously a better receiving back from mixon but i do think mixon's receiving ability is underrated um but do you think that if a contract – I think of, of a contract as forthcoming, yes. just that, to the chagrin of some, whatever, or the delight of others, I don't know. But I think a contract is coming for Joe Mixon. Um, do you think that that would prompt the Bengals to say, okay, with this contract, now comes an even in, a higher increase of workload, and then you see a lower profile of Geo and these other guys we're talking about, or is it – Status quo, we're going to give you about 250 uh, rushes, you know, another 40, 50 catches, and that's and we're going to cycle these other guys in there. I think that's the wise move, especially for longevity purposes and effectiveness, but I don't know if the money means, hey, you're the guy. Well, for starters, the McCaffrey point, it's not a matter of if he's able to produce like McCaffrey if given the opportunity. What's the value of having Christian McCaffrey and someone who produces like that for your offense. Christian McCaffrey was so dominant last year that the Panthers were a bottom 10 offense. That that, that probably didn't go the way that most people expected it to go. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey was so good at being so minimal in the success or the lack of success in the Carolina Panthers offense that the Panthers gave him $16 million a year and over $30 million worth of guaranteed money. Why they did that, I have no idea. But I do know that if you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey who can produce like Christian McCaffrey, it doesn't really do your offense that much good compared to just having a really good quarterback. And that's the other that's the that's the main factor in this. If the Bengals passing offense remains healthy and effective with Joe Burrow, with AJ Green and the other receiving options, there's no need to give Joe Mixon 15 to 20 carries a game. There's no need to put the offense all on him. Like they had to, like they had to do for the past two years in the final half of the last two years, when you saw Mixon's numbers increase, when you saw his effectiveness increase, when you saw his missed tackles and yards after contact all increase, they had to do that with Mixon because they had no passing offense. Their passing offense was in the bottom of the league last year, and at times in 2018, it struggled as well. And they just had to put it all in Mixon because they had no other option. And obviously, they didn't have the blocking consistently to do it effectively, effectively all year. But time and time again. In the late 2010s and now entering the 2020s, if the best option in your offense is a multi-purpose back who can run and catch, your offense is not gonna it's not gonna hold up against the other actual good offenses in the NFL. You're not gonna be able to compete on a weekly basis. You're not gonna be able to compete when it matters against really good teams because most of the really good, really good teams, if not all the really good teams, 
can beat you with your passing offense. The value of, of running backs who can catch the ball is so far down the list compared to receivers and tight ends and basically any other pass catcher. Well, actually, it's really the only two. But regardless, the value of, of running backs who can catch the ball is devalued. The value of a rush compared to a pass is devalued. The value of a guy like Christian McCaffrey it doesn't exceed the value of any other basically skill position player that impacts an offense. So unfortunately, whether or not Joe Mixon can be Christian McCaffrey is all but irrelevant. Do you feel that the Bengals offense will how, – how high of a – based on kind of what you're taught, what you've all said right there, what, how, I mean, how big of a – how big of a role do you think uh, running backs will play in the receiving game? We know Joe Burrow liked to use Clyde Edwards-Hilaire quite a bit, especially towards the end in that effective run of big games – he was not not only like a nice little dump off option, but Edward Solaire ran some very effective routes. You know, he would split out from the backfield. He would do all kinds of different stuff. I think these backs can do quite a bit of the same and have shown that they can do quite a bit of the same. I, I guess, do you see that happening? Do you see more multi-back sets with a, 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 a Joe and a Geo out there? Um, or is that just getting a little too wacky too soon? Well, when you have two running backs on the field, you're taking away another skill position player. If you feel like yeah. it's better to have two running backs out there compared to maybe your one tight end, then by all means, go for it. If you feel like you have the, the, the scheme and, and the type of plays and the packages that, that can best utilize that that personnel grouping, then go for it. But it's all about maximizing your personnel. It's all about utilizing them to the best of their abilities. If you have Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard out there on, this, on the field at the same time, making minimal impact and doing nothing, it devalues the rest of your offense. We have someone in the comments saying, you know, watch the Rams offense go from on fire with Todd Gurley and then, and then, you know, scoring three points in the Super Bowl and he got hurt. If you remember correctly from that season, it was CJ Anderson who was actually the more effective running back on offense as the, as the year progressed and Gurley got hurt. And CJ Anderson was actually producing at a similar, if not better rate than Todd Gurley and keeping that offense afloat for when they needed to use him. And it's the biggest point in terms of running backs just being replaceable. If you can run the ball effectively like the, like the Ravens can do, there is still value in rushing the ball, even though it doesn't exceed the value of passing the ball on average. But the running backs themselves are replaceable, and I think that's the, that's the biggest truth that the Bengals have to realize because they set themselves up perfectly to move on in a life without Joe Mixon because they have guys like Ronnie Anderson, Travion Williams. And if they want to utilize these guys on the field at the same time and kind of keep the defense guessing in terms of who gets the ball, who, who is, who's pass protecting, who's going out wide to, to catch screen passes, who's actually getting the balls on these draws. That's fine. That, that's the way to progress your offense and the way to supplement the main factor of what makes your offense go. And that's the Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow passing game. But if you just want to run the ball, if Joe Mixon 25 times a game, don't expect to win more than seven games. Yeah, there, there's, uh, and we'll get out of here in, in just a couple minutes, but I, I feel like this is a good conversation here, John, because this, I, I feel like this position group is just like really exciting. Um, there's a lot of good players in this position group and a lot of potential in this position group. Someone mentioned it. I, I uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't go back uh, to see exactly who it was, but basically they made the notion that the offensive line started to play better at the end of the year. That was also the case in 2018 when Joe Mixon went on a run and put together, I think three uh, in three of the last four games, he had like a hundred yard rushing games, et cetera. So I guess we, I feel like we've had this conversation quite a bit, but now that we know for the most part, the Bengals may make a, a you know, 
another move along the waiver wire or, um, you know, a, a post final cut type of waiver wire move. But I mean, for the most part, we know what they're going with on the offensive line. They brought in Hakeem Adeniji. They get Jonah Williams back. I mean, do you, I guess we have to ask now again, post-free agency, post-draft, and as we talk about the running backs, I mean, where's your confidence level in terms of the backs having success on the ground with this group that they have in front of them? I think it's moderate. Uh, like yeah. Ultimately, their, their success will be dependent primarily upon the effectiveness of the offensive line. If the offensive line does remain healthy, I think it will progress to a point where these running backs can at least survive it won't be at the dire levels of what we saw Joe Mixon have to go through last year. And I give Joe Mixon credit for suffering through that and, and striving above that as the season went on. Unfortunately, the offense just wasn't very effective when, when he was at his best because that's just the, the nature of the game at this point. But I do think that the offense line has at least improved at least somewhat with, with you know how things are supposed to progress with the guys that are developing there. Joe Mixon at this point is talented enough to work behind basically any offensive line and, and produce – at, a, at the very least, a, a moderate level compared to the rest of the league, his talent, I think, is, is unquestioned. And if you were to rank him compared to every other player on the Bengals, he would probably be in your top five most talented. And that's also something that to watch for on CincyJungle.com. Um, but, yeah, like I, I think the, the, the four that we're expecting them to keep, just Mixon, Bernard, Anderson, and Williams, that they will they will make up one of the best running back groups in the NFL. They will. They will, they are all talented. They all have, I think, different skill sets from each other. Maybe you have Mixon and Anderson complementing each other in terms of similar skill sets, as well as Bernard and Williams in that same facet. But if they all remain healthy, they can all be utilized pretty equally throughout the game and give each other some press. But ultimately, it comes back to they're going to pay Mixon a lot of money, and they're going to try to feature Mixon as the head of this group, and they're going to keep Anderson and Williams as your key depth guys to. Mixon and Bernard in case something bad happens to either of them. But it, it will be like what we expected to see last year, where it was those four guys with Mixon and Bernard at the top. And if the offensive line is, is as at least decent as we can hope it is, they will be fine throughout the season. Uh, just total side note, uh, Aaron Scott in the Facebook chat said, are you paying attention, Anthony, LOL, because I was looking around. I think we had like a little earthquake here just now. What? Um, yeah, so I like my house was rocking here. Uh, so I saw my TV wobbling and some other stuff. Very mellow, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's I mean, LA. I, I, I'm a, I'm about ninety percent sure uh, that's what just occurred. I'll probably have to check Newswire to see if that if I'm unless I'm hallucinating. So uh, I I did space out for a brief second because I was like, what is this? Um, but I did obviously catch everything you were, <laughs> you were saying there, John. Um, I, you know, one last kind of thing, I guess, unless I, I'm, I feel like I'm hijacking your topic here and I don't want to do that. But uh, this is our topic. I just happen to be leading it. <laughs> I know, but this is this is your brainchild. And I, I love this segment. Um, you had somebody uh, somebody was talking about, you know, uh, it was six or Alex in the in the YouTube saying, Burrow is another running back, remember? Um, and I, I, I'm not going there with this, but I guess I want to go to the to the point of, do you think that there's going to be a more heavy reliance on the running game a little bit early in the season because of limited practices, limited on-field sessions, rookie quarterback, 
still an inexperienced and or new faces on the offensive line that still need to gel. Is that all something that they say, we're, we're going to try and alleviate a little bit of the stress here for Joe Burrow? Or is that just an old school mindset that says, we're, you know, we, we drafted this kid for a reason. We're going to let him wing it and run the offense. It could be both. It is an old school mindset. The fact that you have to have a running game to set up a passing game, but it also could be what they will still intend to do. They might just have more trust early on in Joe Mixon, just running the ball a lot and trying to, you know, not put it all on Joe Burrow. When in reality, that that's just not the case for quarterbacks anymore, or they don't have to have seven step drops and take five seconds in the pocket to examine, you know, three reads. They can make it easy for Joe Burrow in the passing game without having to rely on, on a running game that may or may not be successful early on the season. Right now they may have more confidence in that aspect of the offense because it does entail with more experienced players leading it. But I, I think Joe Burrow struggling is something that um, we all kind of have to accept early on in his rookie year and basically maybe throughout his entire rookie year because if you look at the history of rookie quarterbacks, specifically in the past 16 years or so, even after the boom of passion efficiency with the pass interference rules, not a lot of rookie quarterbacks are very successful compared to the average level of success for the NFL that season. It's the expectation that Joe Burrow probably doesn't experience much success in his rookie year, and I think the Bengals should probably realize that. But at the same time, they can't just not allow him to make the mistakes that he will inevitably make. If it if it damns them to uh, you know like a six and ten or seven ninth season, so be it. Just grow grow with that. Like just because you pay Joe Mixon all that money doesn't mean you have to give him 20, 25 carries a game and limit what your offense can be and limit the experience, the much needed experience that Joe Burrow has to eventually grow into a good quarterback that we all think that he can be. So maybe they do handcuff him in the first couple of weeks because of this unorthodox offense, but it's not necessarily going to make their offense better if they do it. So I guess we should end it with who you think, uh, I guess, makes the makes the team on the position group. Is that and how many they keep? Yeah, um, I, the the four that were supposed to make it last year, I think, are still the four that make it this year. You have Mixon, Bernard, Anderson, Williams, and then your practice squad spot probably comes down to Patrick or Devwell Whaley, the guy from Arkansas. I'm I'm not entirely sure if Samaj Piran has any practice squad eligibility left, considering now he's a, he's a fourth year player. Yeah, so he just again he just seems like the odd man out, despite how much they may like him. Um, maybe Williams gets bumped by Patrick. I don't know. I haven't really seen that much of Jacquez Patrick play, but I know he's big and fast. Um, Devil Wiley, I guess, is, is the wildest of wild cards in this in this scenario because he's the undrafted rookie who just always like there's always one in, in preseason that you know ends up making a little bit of noise or whatnot. But it's such a stacked position group, and I just don't see any monumental changes or any earth shattering movements here. Yep. Uh, I, I am in agreement with you about the four that make the team. Um, obviously, some, one of them is going to have to, you know, show some some stuff on special teams. That's usually how that goes. And, you know, you mentioned those those the other two, uh, you know, that's what preseason. I mean, who knows what preseason is going to look like right now, but that's what preseason is usually for. Those guys get a lot of touches. So we're going to see a lot of those guys if preseason plays out the way that it usually does. Those guys are going to get a lot of touches uh, and get opportunities to make the team, make the practice squad, that sort of thing. And a lot of times those guys kind of ball out and the Bengals have had the fortune of 
having other guys that were undrafted. You know, remember remember Terrell Watson a few years ago? He was a guy who played very well. Um, James Wilder Jr. was a guy. So, I mean, they they have these running backs that have a lot of skills that, you know, slip through the draft cracks and, um, you know, they were able to scoop them up and and sometimes they hang on to the team, get some um, playing time going forward. But good stuff, John. I appreciate you continuing this. So we've done running backs. We've done wide receivers. We've done defensive yeah. line. Offensive line and linebackers in yeah. that reverse order. Yeah, there you go. I, I probably went yeah backwards with that, <laughs> but good stuff. That was the running back position in our nine for nine positional breakdown. I think we're, I think we're going to get on out of here. Um, I haven't said this usually. I say it two or three times in in the show, but this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. If you're new to the program, you can get it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, iHeartRadio. You can get it on YouTube. You can get it on cincyjungle.com, however you like to listen to your podcast. We appreciate the support. And, uh, you know, subscribe to our channel so you can get notified as to when we go live, when new material is available. And like I said, just another, just a a reminder in case you missed it earlier, programming note, we're going to start an hour earlier than we usually do on our weekly show um, because we have, uh, so at 7.30 Eastern, we have Kenny Anderson, former Bengals quarterback, should be Hall of Fame quarterback, joining us on the program next week. So we're pretty excited about that. The other thing, um, I'm sure we'll uh, hear some feedback regardless this week, but we did ask before some of this other stuff had been occurring, we did ask about uh, some feedback on more of a, not necessarily an everyday show, but uh, maybe some some shows that are more bite size and uh, especially with, potentially training camp picking up and kind of some more movement within the NFL season. So if, if we have some fan and listener interest in that um, you know, we would be willing to maybe do a little bit more again, not absolutely every day, but maybe something that uh, are a little bit more bite-sized episodes as compared to this obviously have our standard weekly show. So if that's something of interest, or if you think, Hey, the weekly show is enough, that's, that's good enough for us. And there's other shows on the, on the podcast platform that's fine too. We're just kind of gauging and we're always looking to be better. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's uh, let us know. I just want to say that uh, to our listeners, we, we love you all. We respect you all. Um, thank you for keeping it. I would say about 95% of you in the live chat. We're very, very civil. Um, and I would say almost all of you actually, pretty much all of you were civil throughout the conversation. And, and we appreciate that. We appreciate you letting us, um, you know, talk a little bit about some feelings about things going on. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, I just hope we have some more positive things to talk about in, uh, in the coming days, because these first few months of this year have been very, very rough. And, um, I, I just, you know, I, I just appreciate our listeners and I, I, I definitely want to say that. And we appreciate the support you've shown this program, John, I appreciate you, your words, your wisdom, your, uh, your contributions to the show, not only today, but for the past year, year and a half, you've been on this show. You've been an awesome, uh, you know, an awesome asset to this show. So I appreciate you. And, uh, you know, I hope, I hope everyone out there stays well. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not very eloquent today, unfortunately. Um, It's okay. But, but, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what I got. It's, it's it's more than okay. Uh, like I, like I told Anthony before we started the show, I would not feel comfortable doing tonight's show if we didn't address the things that we did address. I, I would not feel okay with myself not talking about things that should be talked about. If we have 
even the smallest of platforms that we do have compared to the other platforms that other people have been utilizing. And like, like I said, in the onset of, of, of the show, if it makes you uncomfortable, good. The worst thing that you can do with that discomfort is do nothing. The, the bare minimum of what I would ask everybody to do is to utilize that discomfort into actually into channeling into an avenue that you haven't done before. Listening, empathizing, understanding that, that those are the steps at the bare minimum that people who haven't had the unfortunate concerns about what people end up, end up going through in this country if that's you, if you have the privilege of never experiencing the injustices that continue to happen after 400 years of the history of this land, I would just encourage you to, for, just for once, for the first time in your life, understand the messages that are being expressed, take it to heart, and do everything in your power to utilize that discomfort into what you're hearing into more of a positive impact and worldview of the country that you live in. Maybe then will we end up seeing actual meaningful progress into what we all like to think is a great nation. We, I, I just want to say this. Um, I mentioned the situation with my sister earlier and uh, that wasn't easy for me to share. Um, and uh, I don't, as I mentioned, I don't like to, sh to share details about it. I prefer to share the positives about her life and her memory and the foundation we set up in her honor. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't want want that to come off any certain type of way um, that may be misconstrued. Uh, I, I just kind of said, you know, I just kind of wanted to say that there's at least a point. I don't I, I just thank people for listening. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not very eloquent today, unfortunately. But, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't want to share details on that on this program because that's not what this is about. But I, I just some things strike a chord, you know. And, um, that's, uh, I, I appreciate people listening to that. I, I hope I don't really have to talk about that much anymore, but, um, anyway, try, try, just be good to each other. And, uh, we thank you for your support of this program. Thank you, John. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next week with Ken Anderson. So join us for that. And, uh, we, we thank you for, for your support. We'll see you next episode. I'll see you later, John.